You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Okay, we are back with Jillian Tarecki. She is a relationship coach who was here last month to answer all of your sex. Actually, we didn't do sex, did we? We just did dating questions. Dating relationship questions. Dating relationship. That's that's more like it. Um, And we didn't get through very many of them because we had so many from people when they heard that you were going to be our guest. So we decided to have you back. Thank you so much for being here again. Thank you so much for having me. Hello, Chip. I should also mention Chip is here. <laughs> I'm here. I'm quiet as a church mouse over here. I know. What you doing over there? <laughs> I don't know. I'm Who a little is that slow on your today. shirt that I see? It's Bird Cloud. That's a, oh. a now defunct band. Yes. Yeah. I'll let the people Google Bird Cloud to find their own songs that way. <laughs> if you know any Bird Cloud songs, you know what I mean. <laughs> you know. If you know, you know. Um, okay. Well, we were just talking actually with Jillian kind of about like the heaviness in our world. I got a little bit of an escape when I went to Bali and, um, I was like, well, let's dive in and talk about relationships then. And you said something you were like, well, it's, it's what we've got. And I said, I kind of think it's all we've got right now. It's kind of feels like the one thing we can bank on. Are you guys feeling that at all? Um, I think it's become really important to people. Yeah. I mean, it's always been really, really important, but I think that, um, there's, there's sort of two camps. There's people who one is, you know, there's still an immense amount of loneliness that's mm. happening and that people are experiencing people. I think today are lonelier than ever. And that has to do with technology and the pandemic. It's the combination of the two. And it's even though the pandemic is, whatever, it's not considered a pandemic anymore. People are still very lonely. And so I think that there are people, there's sort of two camps. There's people who just really, really want to find partnership and are having a hard time finding that because um, I think that they were faced with this reality, you know, faced with the reality of our mortality, that life is sort of Mm. short and fleeting and very uncertain. And then I think that there's another camp of people like no one wants to commit. Everyone just wants to have like the, just the freedom. And so um, 
but either way, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely weighing heavily on people's minds. And I think that, uh, I also think that people are having a harder time meeting people because of the, uh, the struggles that people are having, particularly on dating apps. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I I know that I personally too, it's like, I'm an incredibly social person, Mm -hmm. but my habits changed so much over the last few years that like, it's not that I don't want to meet somebody. It's that like, I almost can't be bothered to go out unless there's a real reason Mm. to go out. And to me, meeting someone isn't, reason enough to just go out you know like i'd much rather it's not that i'm lonely either you know i'm happy to be sitting at home with nothing to do yeah um, i know I, I, that's funny that i'm glad that you mentioned that chip because that is people's habits have changed so much they don't want to go out they don't want to like put on that outfit they don't want it's 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 not even people are really okay just kind of like chilling in their corner and so, yeah, there's definitely a lot of people who are feeling sort of unmotivated. Yeah, yeah. like it takes a lot. And I actually, yeah. I've recently started on dating apps, which what a weird world that is. <laughs> Just <laughs> or about this yet, but I've tried to start dipping my toe back into dating and um, the apps. It's interesting in some ways make me feel more lonely. Is that, yeah. is that, I get some- that. Like, it's just, it's like, I'll be sitting there and I'm like, okay, I'm going to like reach out. But then I think maybe if you don't feel like you're seeing anyone you're interested in, or that's in line with you, it's kind of, it exacerbates the isolation that maybe you already feel. Um, Yeah, it's, well, I think it's discouraging and then it it perpetuates the story that I'm always, you know, I'm always going to be alone. And then there also, then, and then there's also the, the idea that like, oh, I'm just one of, I'm I'm one of a sea of women that people are just swiping through to see if, you know, they're interested Mm -hmm. in, in reaching out to. And so it's so deeply impersonal. And I think that's very hard. Yeah. Ahead, it can Jeff. be very it can be very thrilling at first because it feels like, oh my gosh, there's so much possibility. There's all these people right in my hand. And then they don't respond. Yeah. Or <laughs> they do and they're boring. Or their personality doesn't, doesn't match the picture yeah. or whatever. And there's look, there's nothing that compares to like that thing that happens when you meet a stranger at a bar that you're like, holy shit, that something something is electric about this. Um, like the you're also you're very much though chip speaking from the perspective of a man because that's, that's not yeah because men do they're like oh my god whether they're gay or straight it's like this is like there's so much you know there's so much eye candy there's so much i can look at women don't think that way no um no. women are more like oh god like <laughs> this, is, this is what <laughs> like this is well, what also, i get to like, choose from that's not right these are the options that's these like what i options. feel like a lot of well, times like, i'm like where are they well trust me there's there's a lot of me thinking that too no you know? definitely <laughs> but women are it's just it's a very different because women aren't necessarily as visual as men are right? right so women are kind of looking for for other things and then there's just you you know, there's a whole other, a whole other lot of stuff. Yeah. going on. God, we should do a whole episode on dating apps. Probably it could, seems like it could cover a lot for a lot of people these days, but it is, mm-hmm. it's sort of this weird position you get in because it's like, 
you said, Chip, you know, maybe I don't want to go out. And so, and like the older we've gotten, it's like, you do have to have a reason to go out and the, and then you're meeting friends who you maybe haven't seen. Like we don't see our friends as much as we used to in the twenties. Cause we're all busy or in our twenties, sorry, because we're all so busy. And so then I focus on my friends. Like, I'm not trying to like meet random people when I go out to dinners usually, you know? Um, yeah. So it feels like an app is kind of one of the only ways to meet new people these days. So it's like this weird, frustrating, like, I don't really feel in line with being on a dating app at all, honestly. And I don't know how to meet people otherwise. Yeah. So this is when people have to actually get really creative because um, this is when you have to start going to certain events where people, like if you date men, where, you know, men are going to be. And if you date mm-hmm. women where women are going to be, um, you know, a lot of women will be like, well, I go to my yoga class. It's like, okay, you're a straight woman in that inside that yoga class is going to be a, a bunch of other straight women and some gay men. I mean, yes, yeah. there's going to be some straight men, but like, that's not where you're going to meet your dude. Like go take an archery course. If you're looking for a straight dude, like try, like get yourself out there. Um, go now that you can travel, go travel. You do have to get more creative. And, yeah. but the thing is there's things at our fingertips still, which is, which is really great. Um, in other words, like you can, there are things that you could be doing if you wanted to be proactive about it. You know, I mean, such as, <laughs> well, such as like, <laughs> well, such as like taking a class or go, okay. like if you live in an, if you live by the water, going to do like, you know, learning how to boat or something or taking okay. a sailing class. This I'm talking about women who, who are looking for men, for example. Yeah. But there are other things that you could, you could be doing. I mean, there are things you're going to be like, I'm, I'm going to try this. I'm going to learn something new. Or you go to, or you go to an event where there's a speaker speaking and it's an interesting thing. Maybe you're into science and like you go there and you meet someone there. Um, so like-minded you know, thinking kind of things. Like, like-minded thinking. But, you know, if you're really into wellness, you're not necessarily, you know, you may have to step outside of your box. You can't just right. stay inside your box. Um Life used to be a lot easier way back when, when, you know, we were probably maybe not even born yet, which is just mm-hmm. like, you know, you date the person who's like, who, who grew up in your town right? or you get, or you get fixed up with, you know, by someone like life was very simple and it's become very complicated. But interestingly enough, I was just talking to a few clients, single clients of mine who are on the dating apps. And I mentioned this a little bit on social media, which is that people, you really have to have strong boundaries that you're committed to when it comes to dating apps. What I have found to be the biggest mistake that is actually driving their people are driving themselves nuts doing this is this constant texting back and forth on the Mm -hmm. app. So you have these adults basically doing things that, that 13 year olds do with each other, which is the constant texting. And I, I've been telling women in particular, say this, this is my number. Tell whoever you're, you're, you're interested in. This is my number. Why don't you, why don't you text me when it's a good time to, you know, we can coordinate a good time to have a phone chat Mm -hmm. because I think you should have a phone call with someone before you go on a date with them. And, and here's the thing, if they follow through, because that's your boundary. Like 
your boundary could be, I want to have a phone conversation and not go texting back and forth. That's not how I'm, that's not how me, that's not how I, that's not how any, how I wanted to, I keep on saying like me, Jillian or me, Chip or me, Kelly, that's not how I date. So how I date is like, we like each other. We get on a phone call. And then if it works, if we, if there's rapport, hopefully, you know, one of us asks the other one out and we, and we go out and we meet for a drink or a coffee or something like that. Yeah. But so if someone isn't respecting that boundary, then there's going to be no follow through with that. They'll be like, oh, they'll make up excuses. And then already it's like, okay, you just delete that person. Yeah. But if got they the information, through, yeah, you got the information. That's all you need to know. Mm-hmm. Because already, because here's what you know, what people don't realize is that people show you who they are very, very early on. It's so and, true. And it's not that you should be, ha- you know, on such high, you know, I, I also speak against, I don't want people to be so hyper vigilant that they're looking for red flags, but something like laying down a boundary, like this is how I like to date. And then someone not, go- not following those instructions of how you like to date or following that boundary. There's no point in getting together with them because it's already you already know it's not a match because they're not respecting one of your boundaries. Yeah. They're not in alignment with you. Period. I will say that is what the apps are helping me to understand about myself. Like I'm kind of using it as this practice for what it is, like finding out what it is exactly I like, what my boundaries actually are. Yes. Um and for that it's helpful because pretty quickly I'm able to determine, I mean there's only been one guy I've actually met up with. And it was once. And then I was like, well, this didn't pan out for me either. But it's just interesting right. to like note the things that are very quickly not going to work for me. And it's mostly about communication and um, or lack of intention. You know, like I don't want to be texting back and forth. Like I'm 40. Maybe yeah. that's why is I'm just like, I, I don't have time for this shit. Mm-hmm. But like literally, if they don't follow through with like, scheduling some sort of either a phone call or a meetup within a couple back and forth. I'm like, I'm out. Cause I don't yeah. want to be doing that. And yeah. um, it's just interesting. Cause you really do figure it out pretty quickly what yes. someone's intentions are. And a lot of them would just sit and want to string you along for like, you know, companionship if they get lo- lonely and like, that does not, that is not what I'm looking for. No. And, and what people do is that they also meet someone and they're like, well, they're good looking. They have a nice job. And then all of a sudden they throw their boundaries out the window and that's, that's a recipe for disaster. So you that's have to what figure out what, what you want yeah. and then you have to be very loyal to it. Yeah. Stand up to it or keep holding yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. That's always the yeah. Well, and, and I think it's, I think it's important to, um, uh, another reason why it's important to sort of like get to that quickly is to do it. The more you have repetition doing it, the less um, novel it feels totally. where like, cause I think when it feels novel is when you are willing to throw out your boundaries because you're like, Holy shit, like it's happening, you know? Yeah. And, yes. and you're excited for the wrong reasons. Whereas if you like, you get in the, the habit of like, okay, text for a minute, then get on a phone call. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. A, you're, you're getting practice, getting rejected, which is really mm-hmm. important mm-hmm. or deciding what you don't want. Um, mm-hmm. cause maybe you're the one doing the rejecting. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, I, I know that I struggle with that. It's like the novelty of like, Oh, this person seems interested. And mm-hmm. yeah, I catch myself throwing my boundaries out all the time. Yeah. 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 And it's, 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 it's definitely a road to disaster. When we yeah. Do that. Yeah. 
Well, I think boundaries are really important, which actually leads me to the first question I was going to ask you. Um, And this doesn't actually, I think it's really important to start with boundaries at the beginning. And I know something for me is like, I have gone through most of my dating life, just boundaryless. And so I've gotten myself in these situations or relationships where it ends up being very painful eventually, because then I do have to set a really hard boundary. And not only are the, is the other person shocked, (laughs) but it's like, it becomes there. They're like, what you actually are (laughs) going to stand up for yourself for once. Um, but it becomes, it makes the dynamic so much more tumultuous because it's not, you know, I'm sacrificed quote unquote, sacrificing myself or being walked all over. Then I finally stand up for myself and it just, it produces such a bad dynamic. So starting out with a boundary seems to be very important. But then once you're in a relationship, I'm um, hearing from a lot of people that boundaries can be tricky. And so one of my friends actually, we were talking yesterday and she was, she's just getting out of a relationship that has been pretty toxic for her. But one of the things her exes has done is weaponized boundaries in general. Like they were in couples therapy together. And so the term boundary was used a lot. And so in her experience, he was setting quote unquote boundaries, but they're more like walls and stonewalling. And so she asked me, she follows you and is like a huge fan, but she was like, I'm just struggling to accept what is a boundary and what is stonewalling and how do I know the difference when it's happening? So stonewalling is basically is not a boundary. It's, okay. it's a wall. So boundaries are not supposed to boundaries are not there to wall you off or to wall other people's off, um, off of you. Boundaries are there to, um, teach yourself and to teach people how you want to be in relationship. Boundaries are also very much internal. They're like, um, like a lot of people who call themselves, who, who think of themselves as, um, very emphatic, like very empathetic. They're always, Mm -hmm. they say they absorb other people's energy. Um, They need boundaries not to keep people out. I mean, they need boundaries to, to not so that they don't absorb other people's energy, but has nothing to do with the other person. Yeah. So boundaries are tricky because they are meant to be somewhat porous and they are meant to be flexible because you may need a boundary with someone who just started dating. Like the boundary could be, um, I want to get to know you and I want to be exclusive before I have sex with you. Mm -hmm. That's a very specific boundary for a very specific stage of dating. It's not the boundary that you have, you know, with a friend who you're not sleeping with. So they're, they're very specific. Stonewalling is literally when someone is just refusing to communicate. They're completely shut down. It's almost like the silent treatment. Um, stonewalling is self-preservation for s- someone who feels very, very overwhelmed by their partner, by a fight or by a situation. And so that is their way of protecting themselves from further pain or hurt. And that, that's not an excuse. It's a dysfunctional behavior, but so is, so is a lot of the things that we do when we're anxious. It's definitely a dysfunction, a dysfunctional behavior, but it is, it's has to be understood that the person is doing it because they are overwhelmed. 
So um, when they're stonewalling, that's not real. That's not a boundary. Like ignoring your partner is not a boundary. It's, it's, it's something else. It's a wall. It's stonewalling. So I don't, I don't know the details yeah. of what your friend is actually going through. Um, it sounds to me, it could be that he feels like there's been a lot of boundaries that have been violated. So his stonewalling is the thing that he does to protect himself. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Cause I can't, yeah. I'm not their, their, you know, their coach rather. So I don't know. Of course. And I mean, I think, yeah, they have their own stuff to work through. He has cheated. And so there was all of these like other boundaries Mm -hmm. that were violated. Um, But something that I do or I've experienced and I've seen is that dynamic of when the person feels overwhelmed, then the stonewalling happens. But then if you're on the other side of that, it can, it's that anxious avoidant dynamic we all hear about so much where it's it's like, it's awful. It activates the fear in the other, the other person, because you're like, wait, I can't even talk to you. It's, it's terrible. No, because some people stonewall when they're, when it's like someone goes boo and then they're like overwhelmed. So, you know, it's like, it it really is just like in relationship. It's like, we have to, what makes a relationship turn um, unhealthy quickly are two people who are just too triggerable. Like mm-hmm. they are just a walking trigger and they're constantly triggering each other. Mm-hmm. And as a result, they're then going into a reactive pattern, a behavioral pattern that they've done for a long time. And it's becomes, if it gets bad enough, it becomes a nightmare. But, you know, if you're in a relationship with someone and there's cheating involved and there's lots of boundary violations, you know, so I guess since we we started this conversation addressing people who are single, mm-hmm. where if you're single, you're at a huge advantage in the sense that you can really figure out what kind of relationship you want to be in now that differs from the relationships that you've been in the past. And then you can think about what has to be different, mm-hmm. you know, like... I have one client who said, I am committed. My boundary is that I will only be in a relationship with, with, in a relationship that values communication. I would rather over communicate than under communicate. So therefore she had to figure out what she needed to change in herself to be able to say to a date, like this is the kind of relationship I want to have. I'm committed to this. Yeah. Being with someone who's not communicative is a deal breaker for me. So if we're like one month, two months in three months and it's great. And then we have our first problems and you're not communicating and you're not meeting me there. I will break up with you. Wow. And be that clear about it. It's not, this is, this is not first convert, first date conversation. Right, right. <laughs> but let me lay down a few warnings. Right. Maybe if you were, it's not, this is not the first date, but you can on a first date share about how important that is to you. Yeah. You're I like, oh yeah, fair. I was in these relationships and there was a lot of non, you know, under communicating and miscommunicating. So now I'm really dedicated to having a relationship where like, there, we do not allow a, a, the pink elephant to enter the room ever. Yeah. Like, and you just kind of share that and then see what the other person says. Yeah. 
And if they're in line, it's not going to be scary. That's like a, oh yeah, I've, I've been there no, too. It's gonna be, yeah. I mean, actions speak louder than words, but if, mm-hmm. but, but at least you get in a, a sense of where someone's at, at least you're sharing, you're actually sharing something. I mean, you could really say to someone, this is, this is a deal breaker for me. So if that's a problem for you, like I'm giving you the out, like there's the door, like you can yeah. go, like, you know, I'm giving you the opportunity. Like don't hide anything is what I'm trying yeah. to say. I like that. Cause I think a lot of times we get so uncomfortable of, Oh, I don't want to mention this. Cause it sounds like it might scare them away. And if it scares them, exactly. away, they're really not the right person for you. And you, if you're actually not what I know for me is like, if me not saying my truth, I'm not actually being authentic either then, you know, like I'm not being my full self or being honest because I'm so scared of losing the relationship. That's exactly right. So you have to be authentic. Yeah. And the, and the paradox is that the kind of like for you specifically, the kind of man that you're going to want to be with, Mm -hmm. he only wants a woman who's authentic. Right. Exactly. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Next question says, how do you know the difference between being a partner's therapist and listening to their problems? <laughs> so when you, when you go in, when one goes into coaching healer therapy mode with their partner, there's a few things that are happening. One, they're trying to constantly fix the other person's problem mm-hmm. as opposed to just listening. Cause that's very different. And number two they are, um, they might get that. There's actually a few points here. So they are either, they find themselves getting frustrated with their partner's progress or lack of progress. And so they're trying to act They're They're crossing their boundary. Mm-hmm. They're they're They are boundaryless and they're like, no, let me fix this. Let me help you. Let me help you. Let me steer you in the right direction. And then number three is some people feel um, some people feel like they ha- they have to earn their keep. They have to earn their partner's love, so they figure out a way to be needed. Yeah, they're like, I'm going to be needed and just heal you. And some people, it's just it's just a bad habit because they they're really good at it. Maybe they're really good at giving advice and whatnot. But there is very few things as valuable in a relationship as just listening. <laughs> to listen to your partner, to really listen, not with, not trying to strategize while they're speaking about how you're going to, you know, what you're going to reply with and how you're going to help them, but just to listen. Mm. Yeah. That one is tough. I mean, I know I've been guilty in the past of, well, it is difficult. I think if you're the person, like I have, my friends come to me a lot for advice. So I do feel like I hold that space for people. And so Mm -hmm. it's a habit, like you said, Mm -hmm. like before I know Mm -hmm. it, I'm doing it automatically. But if I'm being honest, like the truth for me, a lot of times is I want to fix my partner because I'm afraid if they don't, you know, work on this issue or work through this, then I'm going to have to leave. And so it's like this, or they're going to leave you or they're going to leave. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's sometimes it'll, I don't know if I've thought about it as they're going to leave me. I'm trying to think about that. Yeah, maybe I'm people, sure it works for, for, for other, for other, other people. people yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. it can be like there. It's just the relationship is going to end, and so you 
think you're doing it from a place of like saving the relationship or like, if I don't do this, then, you know, so how do we calm those fears if they're kicking in? So, so just to clarify, yeah, people think that they're doing it because they're trying to be helpful, but really they're doing it to protect themselves because yeah. they're so afraid. Basically, the way that you calm those fears is very, very, it's not necessarily easy, but it's very simple. It is not your job, nor is it fair to you for you to have the expectation that your partner should change. Okay. So, but you can have a a need which is that you know you need your partner to grow and you may need to grow and that might be really important but you cannot force mm-hmm. their growth is not your business it's not your project it's not your responsibility so you either have to accept your partner for where they are and who they are or you have to say this just doesn't work for me. Yeah. And walk away. And but to try to like get in there and try to fix it. first of all that's very very common. Mm-hmm. A lot of people it's it's you're in a relationship with someone and let's say it's a good relationship and all of a sudden they have this really big problem whatever that problem is. It's a really big problem. And sometimes we let problems get so all encompassing that they become more important than the relationship. And so then people start to notice that they are unconsciously, that this is all unconscious, that they're in competition with the person and their problem, Mm. the person and their issue. And so they want to do anything that they can to get rid of this issue so they can have their partner back. Or they don't, you know, or they don't have to leave, as you said, or they don't have to be unhappy. So this is very, very common. A lot of experts would like to say this is classic codependence. It's just so common. I don't, I don't like to pathologize it. I mean, this is what this is literally what happens. What the problem um, where it does become codependent is very classically like if you're in in a relationship with an addict and you know the person is an addict and you're trying to change them because yeah. well because to be in a relationship with an addict who hasn't. Uh, found sobriety is a complete nightmare. So they're trying, that's where it becomes very classically codependent. So you have to butt out or get out. Oof, butt out or get out. That is a good motto. It's hard because then you're, I think it's like when you're looking at the lens or looking through the lens of, okay, I'm going to have to get out. Like you said, if this doesn't change, you're, it's like, for me, I know I would foresee the pain. And so I would just, you just want, we just as humans, I think want to avoid pain, right? Yeah. We want to avoid pain and we don't want to break up, but also I want to add to it. If it's a, if it's a really committed relationship and the two of you are, you know, very invested in one another, there's also, you know, the butt out or get out, there's nuance there. So, um, when you really love someone and you see them going off their path, like you, you love them, you know them really well. You know what their dreams are. You know yeah. what their path is. And then you see them in small ways or big ways veering off their path. As your partner, it is your responsibility to say, hey, buddy, yeah. like what's going on? This is what's happening. You got to get some help. Like this isn't working. And then if it just keeps going and nothing changes, and then then it really becomes a butt out or get out situation. Yeah. But like yeah, if it's no. over time, nothing's changing. Yeah. 
Yeah, it depends. You know, you can't, it depends on the relationship. It depends yeah. how long you've been together. It depends how in love you are. It depends how invested you are. It depends, t- depends on a lot of different things. Depends on what the problem is. Depends on how far they've gone off the path, what that path really means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does it yeah. does it also depend on whether or not you're asking, you're, like you're, you're bringing it up because you want to help them or you want to help yourself? You want to help the relationship. Right. Because if you are in partnership with someone and one person is really getting, is really straying from their path, it hurts the relationship. So you become an advocate for the relationship. It's not about you and it's not even about them. It's about what the two of you have created together. And what you have created together is dependent on two people staying on their path. We're all going to veer off a little bit, but we can't go too far off each our own paths if the relationship's going to survive. Right, right. So that's the mindset. You have to be doing it for the relationship. Yeah. I love you. I love me. And I really love our relationship. And I know that this is like, we are not going to survive this if this continues. And this is where, this is why, this is when, you have to reach inside of yourself and find that strength, whether you want to think of it as a warrior, however, whatever, however you want to think of it archetypically, but you've got to find that strong person inside of you, that brave person inside of you and become an activist within your relationship when it's something that serious. Yeah. But if you're just dating someone, it's the beginning and it's like, oh, I really like him. I'm so attracted, but he's got all these problems and you're making excuses. It's like, you know, yeah. That you're doing for yourself. It's not going to end well. Right. And that's a pattern and that's a habit that I work with a lot of women to break. Yeah. And men too, by the way. Yeah. I can see that. And make that, that mistake. All right. Too. Here's one that I think a lot of people struggle with, especially with social media these days, but struggling not to watch a new uh, watch a lover's new relationship on social media. To not have- watch an old lover's new relationship. It sounds like the ex got in a new relationship and she's really struggling to not go like info seek or yeah, it's thoughts really on that. Tough. You have to unfollow them. Yeah. Just can't do it can't do and you have to find someone in your life who can hold you accountable who's going to check in on you and all of that yeah yeah it's just gotta you have to make the decision i do not want to torture myself because it's what it is is self-mutilation it really that, is that is huge i actually switched the narrative because i used to struggle with this a lot and if i look at it as how mean it is to me actually because no matter what it is it is it's painful to me like regardless of what I see, it's going to hurt. And so it literally, if I start looking at it as self-mutilation, like you're saying, I mean, and that is essentially what it is. It is like, I actually don't, I want to be kind and loving to myself today. So I'm not going to do that. If someone just says to me, no, you just can't do that. That doesn't help me to stop. Like telling me to not do something. It's like, that's the first thing I go do then, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, exactly. So then, so then the reframe that, you know, I want to, I want to love myself. I want to be kind to myself. I don't want to be violent towards myself emotionally. Then. Yeah. Yeah. I think that one helps. Um, Okay. Tips for working with an ex that you still very much care about. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Get another job. Um, Like how badly do you care about the job? Like, can you get another one? I mean, that's tough. So that's tough. 
I would try to figure out a way to not be in that workspace. I would try to figure, figure it out. Yeah. I can't, there's no, it's just tough. There's no, there's no magic pill for that. You have to, you know, if it's a job that you love that you want to keep, then you're just going to have to deal with it. This is why I always tell people never shit where you eat because Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes sense why people date people who they work with, because when we're in, when we're, it's like the, the metaphor, the analogy that I used earlier, it's like we, way back in the olden days, you'd end up with the person from your hometown because that's the familiarity. And then you're in close proximity to one another. That's what the workplace Mm -hmm. very much became. But then if it doesn't work out, it's like, it's like starting to sleep with your neighbor. It's like, really, you sure you want to do that? Are you sure? Cause you may end up wanting, needing to move if this yeah. doesn't happen. Yeah. So it's tough. I don't really it have is. much to say about it. You just have to be strong or see if there's a way in your, in your work situation that you can change your hours or something like that. Oh, that's a good idea. We have a friend who has to work with an ex and they luckily work on different floors. And I think that okay. it's like certainly yeah, to be in contact every day. Cause I just can't imagine. I mean, it is no, I couldn't enough, imagine. like if you have mutual friends with an ex and hearing about them like that, that is tough. So however, every day, what however, you however, what <laughs> if, you have, if you, this, what do you think people who have kids Oh, I know. Oh, you have to deal. Yeah, it's the I same know. thing. You, ha- you have to figure out a way yeah, to transition the relationship into just work or transition to relationship into just co-parenting. And it's a big adjustment. The big thing that just popped in my mind again is that word boundaries. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it goes back to that at all, yeah. all things it feels. But also feel an internal like- boundary. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I feel like the co-parenting scenario would be harder because it's, of, there's a, an emotional connection because of a child, like a shared experience. Yeah, and it's like if you're if well if you don't agree with the way that your ex wants to parent, and you you go into some sort of protective mother or father thing, yeah. it could escalate very quickly. Whereas like yeah. work is work, and you can like that seems like it's something that you can sort of step outside and be like, this isn't ever personal. This is business. Yes, um, certainly it can be made personal when you've got when there are vendettas and things, but. When a child is involved, that just seems like it's so much more, would be so much more complicated and emotionally. It, 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 complicated. It's definitely complicated. It's definitely yeah. complicated. And mm-hmm. the more contentious the divorce or the split is, the more complicated it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. It's not a situation I envy. <laughs> um, okay. Let's see. Still struggling with the balance of a divorced man and his kids. I don't see him. Oh, I don't see him when he has his kids. He has two lives. I've dealt with this. It is really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is when I always want to know the stage of life that the that a, that this woman is in. Like, because so, mm-hmm. if it's a young, so if it's a younger woman who wants babies of her own, I would probably say don't date a man with kids. Yeah, but if it's an older woman who doesn't want kids of her own, or she has kids of her own already then usually that's, that's not so big of a problem. So it sounds like when it is a problem, it's usually a younger woman who maybe wants a family of her own and whatnot. Um, well, I will, yeah. yeah, there's nothing you can do. I will say for me right now, like speaking of these apps, like anyone who has kids, I am not matching with because I, it's mm-hmm. not it's something I have the capacity for in my life right now. Yes. That was my 
previous relationship and I gave a lot and I fell in love with the kids. And so it ended up being like a brutal breakup because I felt like I was breaking up with three people and I just Mm -hmm. can't do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also am like where I am in my life right now. I want a man and me to have our own relationship without other factors. And so I sort of hear that in hers That's right a boundary. now. Sharing time. It is a boundary for me. Thank you for acknowledging that. Um, um, and that's just where I am. It's not always where I've been or where maybe yes. I'll be in the future. It's where I am right now. But yeah. with her, I hear that the balancing time, it's like he has two lives. And I, I have felt that. And so it's, I think I remember being in the situation feeling like, well, I just have to be an adult about this. Like these are children and I can't get mad at him for his responsibilities with his children. But it was really important to me to have at least one night carved out for just us. And so like that was a boundary I set within that relationship of being like, I need an intentional time um, where it's just us, where there's no ex-wives, no children, no nothing for us to connect. And so I don't know, maybe that's like a thought too for someone. Yeah, that, I think that's that a really good thought. And I think that's a great, great suggestion. I also think, you know, you could also reframe it, which is like, well, why would you even want to be with him all the time? Right. Can't you just enjoy that time that you have exactly. with kids and that you have off doing your own go thing? Go see your friends. Yeah. Go see your friends. Yeah. Totally. Because to some people, it would be a, it would be a wonderful scenario. Oh, totally. Right. Like, look yeah. at the positives of it. I think that's a great Yeah. Point. Okay, will my relationship work if my fiance's my fiance prioritizes his sister over me? He gives her a lot of emotional support. This is a, you know, really common scenario where, you know, in all of our lives there's hierarchy. Okay. And within a family there's hierarchy and it's like the hierarchy being who who gets the most who gets who gets the most amount of my love. You know, how do I, how do I spread my attention and love? And, you know, cause we have parents, you know, for most people, parents, siblings, friends, and then partner, fiance. Mm-hmm. So um, it's hard for me to comment on this question specifically because there is so much nuance that I would really need to know about okay. the family situation. Um, and so I, I, I get a little bit, con- I'm a little shy to give advice because if I don't know the situation, it could be the wrong advice, mm-hmm. but I will say, you know, cause who knows, maybe his sister's special needs. I don't know. Maybe his right. sister's through something. I don't, I don't know. And I don't know how old everyone is. I don't know if there's a family tragedy that's, that's going on. I don't know if this has always been going on. So these are the kind of things that I would need to know um, in order to advise, honestly. But very, very, very generally speaking, I think that you know you can't really go wrong with just communicating and saying, you know, I is it is it that because is it really about the sister or is it about that you just don't get enough attention in general from from your you would like more attention? So you know, I would just communicate the ways in which you would want more emotional support. So instead of saying what's missing or instead of making it a situation where he has to choose between his sister and this, this person who wrote in the question, right. yeah, 
that she should phrase it in such a way that she's that she's making a request for what what it is that she wants rather than complaining about what's missing. So that's just how I would generally answer that. Okay. I think yeah. that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I would, you know, I would really bad. like more time or I would really like more when I'm sad. I would really love it when you, yeah. Yeah. I like that. How soon is it to disclose my chronic illness? It affects everything. Um, right away. Yeah. On a date, I'm assuming. Yeah. So this is exactly what I mean. Um, when you, when we talked about, you're afraid to share something because you're afraid it's going to scare someone away. Mm-hmm. The things about you that you're afraid are going to scare someone away, I think need to be disclosed right away. Okay. Because you want to get rid of whoever is not on board with that. Yeah. So it's not the first thing you bring up. Um, maybe it's a second date thing, or maybe it's on a first date after you've, you know, clearly there's like a lot of chemistry and rapport. And it's like, you know, it's not like you sit down and say, Hey, by the way, I have this, you know, it's when you're starting to feel like, Oh, there's, there's energy here. Like Mm -hmm. we like each other. Mm -hmm. Okay. Better let him know this because, Mm -hmm. or I better let her know this because first of all, they need to know that if they're going to be in a relationship with me, this is something that, that I come with. It's like the same, your chronic illness is like having your child. You can't conceal that. Yeah. And and then if they are scared off by that, then you just have to trust that that is not your person. Yeah. Yeah. uh, My astrologer always says rejection is your best protection, which in the moment doesn't always feel true, but it is, it is true because it's, it's like, if they're rejecting you because you said your truth or said something about your life, like that are not a person, like you said, and it's okay too. I think with that, you know, they have to be with the kid thing in comparison to the disease. Um, it's like, you you do need to know what you're signing up for and you wouldn't want someone who isn't going to be committed to your health journey with you or exactly have the capacity for it. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, I feel like those things are also like the longer you wait, the bigger a deal it becomes to even tell them. So it's like, then you're living in anxiety. Yeah. So it's, it's creating other problems beyond what that is. And it could be a non-issue, you know, like you could have moved. Yeah. You could have moved past it with the right person. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe, and maybe the chronic illness, this is a whole other thing, but maybe the chronic illness is too big of a deal for the person. Maybe they are relating to it in such a way that it controls their life and they, they attach their value to it and their worth to it. So maybe there's a little inner work that needs to be done in terms of how they relate to their chronic illness. And there's a Uh, lot going on there. That is so good. Yes. What an interesting thought. I, I had an, I had an ex tell me very early on, um, that he had diabetes, he was a type one diabetic. And the way that he shared the news was, um, he basically was like, Hey, I just want to give you the heads up that I'm probably not going to live that long because I have type one diabetes. So if you want out now, let me know. And I was like, (laughs) wow, what a warning, you know what I mean? It's like, why don't we just, why don't we just enjoy each other while we're here? Because I could get hit by a bus tomorrow, you know, like, 
Right. You could outlive me. So it's not a problem for me. It's like but, exactly yeah. what Jillian's saying that he was connecting to it in such a dark way. Yeah. 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 As opposed to saying, I'm a type one diabetes or I have some sort of autoimmune disease, which means how I eat is like a big, like health and wellness and living my life in a particular way is really important. And I need a partner rather than me trying to see, like, if I fit into your life, mm-hmm. what I need is a partner who, is understands like a healthy lifestyle <laughs> yeah because and understand that that's my boundary because i don't want someone who's like out drinking and partying all the time because i'm dealing with this so you have to also think of it as just like and um, you don't you can't disclose this information think you know hoping like am i good enough for you it's like no right. like do you fit into my life yeah yeah these are these are interesting um question or I think for a lot of women especially but I think this is everyone in dating like I feel like we go in a lot of times with dating and we're like just trying to get liked by the person and we don't want to get rejected ourselves and so we stop asking the questions of like do I even like this person or do they fit in my life like I know I've been so guilty of that in the past oh totally and, and women are very very guilty of that yeah I mean men too but not in the same way women just struggle with their self-esteem and self-worth so much and they and we've been conditioned um to believe that we have to kind of be perfect to earn love mm-hmm. like that that we have to look perfect and everything has to be perfect for, for, for someone to love us and nothing actually could be further from the truth. Yeah. I mean, the reality is, is that people in general are most drawn to authenticity and confidence. I mean, that is just the aphrodisiac really universally for everyone. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the more you can actually be you, even in spite of all your flaws, the more magnetic you're going to be to someone. Yeah. So true. Okay. I like this question because it's the opposite of, I think what we hear a lot, but dealing with self guilt, when you know you were the problem, I took my partner for granted. So it always takes two, but I do, I do really honor the person writing in and taking full responsibility. So the way that you do anything, the way that you reframe anything when it comes to making a mistake, whether it's like the mistake messing up in your relationship is you learn the lesson and you say, okay, I did this. Why did I do this? And I commit myself to never doing this again. And I think that the energy behind this is what I did. I, 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 I'm regretful. I feel some shame, healthy shame around it. I, that's not how I want to be, but let me put my focus on the fact that I pledge to myself that I will never do that again. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really all that you can do. Mm-hmm. And then maybe send them a letter saying, taking accountability. Yeah. Yeah. I think the ownership piece is huge in and of itself, because I think a lot of times it's it's hard to admit that we're wrong or that we cause someone else pain. And I like what you said. It sounds like a little bit like living amends, kind of like doing yes. what you need to do to not do that again. And like, whatever that looks like for you, if you need to get help, if you go to therapy, you do whatever your own process is to do something different in the future is sort of like making amends to them. Even if you can't do it verbally, it would be great to send a letter to if that's appropriate, you know, whatever the situation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and then 
feel, you know, feel a little bit of the guilt and the shame a little bit, because we have to, we don't learn (laughs) if we don't have any capacity to feel some shame and some guilt, then we're, then we're living in a lawless society. (laughs) I mean, we're and there, you know, so you feel it, but then you have to forgive yourself. You look, you know, like, I think that, um, it's really important. I mean, obviously there are extreme cases where this isn't the case, but like when you do break up, when, when two people break up, you're processing when you're ready, when you're over the acute pain, you have to process it and be able to see both your part and their part. Yeah. That's part of just seeing it clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We have time for one more. So I'm going to go, how do you get over the fear of being cheated on after growing up with both parents cheating? That's tricky. Yeah. The fear of being cheated on is, is really, really big. So that's when you have to get, that's when you have to get objective and look at your parents' relationship from the perspective of an adult and look and, 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 and examine like what was going on that they were cheating on each other, you know, instead of seeing that as the norm of how people treat each other, sorry. Mm-hmm. Instead of seeing that as enormous as how people treat each other, you should actually, I think it's better to be able to see your parents and see the dysfunction that was going on in, in, in the parents and learn from it. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you do it. Yeah. yeah it's like parent. it's like kids that have alcoholic parents that like grow up and never touch alcohol because they don't want mm-hmm. that, you know, they don't mm-hmm. want to end up that. Um, or the, or they or they end up dating only alcoholics, right? <laughs> Are yeah. you guys talking about me again? <laughs> <laughs> Is that your story? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> But so you break the cycle when you recognize what it is that's going on. Well, and and a huge piece for me has been a huge, important piece that I'm I'm still actually navigating is healing my relationship with that. You know, I'm lucky because my parents got in recovery. And so we can talk about it with whatever alcohol, cheating, whatever it is. Like my parents did do the work to make some changes in their own lives. Um, So if you didn't get that though, I think either way, it's equally as important to take whatever version of your parent that you witnessed that caused you this trauma or whatever, this pain or this narrative to be developed in your head and heal that relationship um, in whatever capacity you can. Because in my experience, what's happened is until I've done that, even though like my parents are different now, I had to go back and heal the relationship with that childhood version that I got of them. Because without healing that, all I was doing was continuing to draw in that same partner to show myself what wasn't healed within me. Like I'm attracting. Well, how did it. you heal that? Um, for me, it's been a lot of twelve step work, and uh-huh. um, well, I've done therapy. I've done all the different modalities, yeah. but mm-hmm. and like kind of reparenting myself and learning the tools that I wasn't given at that time. You know, like yes. And that's been a big part of my last year journey was developing a relationship with myself to esteem myself. So I wasn't going and seeking this externally or, um, the fixing thing that you talked about a lot, like feeling like I need to fix my partner. It's such an old habit of mine and pattern from my childhood. And so there's practices that I've had to put in place to learn those tools because I'll just keep doing that for the rest of my life. That's what I know, you know? Yes. Yes. Um, it's really common if you were raised in an alcoholic home 
to then grow up with the belief that you have to earn love rather than Mm -hmm. just you deserve love because of who you are. I mean, we have to earn each other's trust, but you don't have to earn love. And so the fixer um, is the strategy that that child or that that adult child will will um, will use as a way to be needed by the partner. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. if I'm fixing your problems, then I'm earning your love. That's mm-hmm. sort of the that's sort of the then psychology. And then, well, then I'm loved. And then I'm loved. Yeah. Then I'm loved, as opposed to so the healing, like you said, esteem myself, and that was uh, that was poignant language because that's really what it is. It's like, you have to learn that you are worthy of love. Yeah. Um, And I think that another step in the process is, and that I have to help people a lot with, and something that I had to do for myself years ago is we have to stop relating to our parents literally. And also in our minds, the way we think of them from as a child, we have to actually relate to them differently. We have to relate to them as adults, which means that even when we're thinking about them, we're thinking about them, not from, not from the perspective of these sort of um, these beings that have power over us or so much influence over us or as beings that we expect to, to provide for us, but rather it's just another flawed human being. Yeah. That we're doing the best they can at the time. Yeah. With the tools they have. And yes. And that also maybe some of the perspectives, and I'm not talking about alcoholism here, like, but some memory our memory is very unreliable. We distort and delete the past all the time. Mm. So a lot of us will grow up with a memory of something that our a look that our parent gave us when we did something wrong as a child that like that literally this this could turn out to be a trauma for someone. They remember like their, their father not picking them up from school one day or their mom telling them to get out of the sandbox early. And it's like, they live their whole freaking lives with this memory and this, this story that this memory that's been morphed into this whole movie and narrative and uh, with rich, with meanings and feelings. And all of a sudden you're, you're walking around feeling traumatized because like, Maybe dad, but the truth is dad, like, and I don't, I don't know, like fell down the stairs or had a migraine and like, for, or like, you know, totally like had a stomach virus and forgot and like, couldn't make it. Yeah. I mean, you just don't know. And, that, and that's not like the same thing as child of, of, of alcoholics necessarily, but it's also understanding that we may have been looking at our parents from a very skewed light as mm-hmm. well. Totally. There's it's all, it's, it's all the, this all is all inner factors. child work. This is all yeah. inner child work is really Well, I think is. that's a good thing to mention as a, a tool would be, you know, finding somewhere or some facilitator to help you do some inner child work. Because I think yes. when we go back and we can look at the stories in our head or kind of work through what our experience was, that's when we can heal because we can either forgive, empathize, move on any of that stuff. Or we see that something wasn't actually how we're remembering it. And so you can let go of it in a different way and it doesn't drive your future. Exactly. Exactly. It's so true. One more thing I'll say that's helped me since you asked was I have to like, and I'm doing this on the dating apps too, is, you know, like with the cheating piece in particular, I think 
if we have this fear because it's what we saw and we say, well, all men are cheaters. Well, you're going to keep attracting in cheaters because our minds are so powerful. Like we will make things true. <laughs> and so we'll, well go. It's, it's, but, but, but yes, you're totally right. And I love this topic, which is why I'm getting excited and interrupting, okay. but it's not <laughs> just, it's not just that you will attract cheaters because I think the problem I have with that language is that then people start to think, well, I'm not in control of my destiny because okay. I'm attracting shit from my subconscious. No, you're choosing cheaters. Yeah. Okay. You're, That's choosing, a cheaters. you're choosing cheaters. And there might be some pathology behind that because of what you were raised with and all of that. But no, you're choosing cheaters. You are, or you are basically, you're getting really, really attracted and you're not sticking to your boundaries mm-hmm. and maybe throw in a sprinkle of, I think I need to earn love because I don't think I, you know, so you sprinkle all these little ingredients in. And then what you've got is someone who keeps choosing cheaters. Yes. Yeah. You have to take responsibility for that. Right. And when you do though, it's actually empowering because absolutely like that's what I'm saying, on the dating apps, if I go in and I'm like, oh, there's no good men out there or there's no men I'm attracted to. Well, what do you think I find on the dating apps that day? that exact story. Like, it's like, yes, really do have to shift your energy into believing that there is something different and you do have to do the work to choose differently. I believe that like you're, and you have to change who you're attracted to. If you're constantly attracted to people who are dysfunctional, they're what they're just always cheating or alcoholics or whatever. And they don't, they're, you know, they haven't dealt with their stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. You're a trap, like your picker is off. And so you have to retrain the neural pathways that are in your brain that makes you turned on to people who are not good for you. Right. So there has to be a lot of retraining there. Yeah. And I say this a lot to um, women in particular. And I I, trust me, I have male men clients right now that that they're retraining who they're attracted to as well. It's just that men and women are different. And so there's just a little bit of different self, there's self-worth stuff, but it's just how it sort of manifests. It's just sort of different. Um, And you have to maybe date some people who you're not crazy attracted to like the, you know like if you have that pattern and you find yourself crazy attracted to someone uh-oh that's a problem mm-hmm. you need to find someone who you feel you have to train yourself to be totally to fall in love and be turned on by the person who with whom you feel very comfortable to be yourself around yeah that, that one is big. That's like, I'm having to do that big time. The ones that I'm like really attracted to, I'm like, Ooh, we should be, <laughs> let's well, go slow here. For a little while you have to, you have, you have to doubt, you have to doubt yourself just, just a little bit while right, you're in the retraining hard. process while you're exactly. in the retraining process. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Jillian, where can people find you if they are looking for more relationship tips like this? Well, certainly go to my Instagram at Jillian Turecki. Um, I'm also now on TikTok, oh. <laughs> but you'll get yeah, <laughs> but you'll get more on, on Instagram um, okay. and my site, JillianTarecki.com. Okay, and can you talk people through a little bit what kind of training and coaching they could find on your website if they are looking for something a little more extensive than Instagram? 
Yes, certainly. And also I'm, I am coming out with a podcast soon. <gasps> Amazing. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. That's coming out soon. It's, it's being produced by another company. So I'm going to be going into depth into these subjects, uh, you know, 45 minute segments. Um, so there's different ways to work with me. I have a membership, which I really love called the conscious woman. And it's really for all women who are trying to become like all the stuff that we talked about today, trying to become more conscious in their relationships, trying to take responsibility, uh, wanting to raise their self-esteem, wanting good communication skills. So that's the membership. Um, and I also have like workshops and stuff that for anyone can get. Um, and you know, I've got a lot of heart, anyone who's going through a heartbreak, I've got some content for people going through a heartbreak. I wrote basically outlined my exact, the exact steps I took practically, spiritually, energetically, physically, psychologically to get over, you know, my marriage that ended eight years ago. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then I do some group stuff and some one-on-one stuff as well. So it's all there. All on the website. Okay. All well, on the website. Yeah. I'll put all of that in the description of this bio. And I'm assuming that, I'm sorry, of this podcast, I'm assuming that when the podcast, your podcast is up, you'll post about it on Instagram. Oh, absolutely. Okay. And I'll, you and I'll, I'll, you'll be the first to know. Okay. Cannot <laughs> wait. Cannot wait. Thank you so much for being back here. We really appreciate it. I know our listeners Thank love you. Thank you both. <laughs> Good to see you. Good to see you. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening.